Welcome to Lateral Conversations. My name is Thomas Mark. This is a podcast about the evolution of consciousness, psyche and culture. I speak here with people who have something important to contribute to the development of spirit and society. My guests are therefore artists, philosophers, academics or activists, people not only with great ideas, but also the willingness to put them into the world. By doing so, I hope to contribute to the evolution by finding and exploring ideas and finally providing them to you. There's nothing more powerful, Victor Hugo once said, than an idea whose time has come. And if such a time for an idea has come, we can only find out by talking about them. My guest today is Nick Jenkel. Uh, Nick is one of those uh, high-energy, overachiever type of persons. He is um, a Cambridge-educated author uh, of two books, which on, and the new one, The Spiritual Atheist. He's a philosopher, a professional speaker. Uh, he's a co-founder of personal and leadership development enterprise, Switch On. Um, he has worked with organizations like Nike, Uh, Downing Street 10, Oxfam. He had a TV show as a psychological coach at the BBC. Uh, he wrote for The Economist, The Guardian, The Financial Times. And he obtained a triple first class degree in medicine and history and philosophy of science from Cambridge University. So, originally I had the sole intent to talk with him about his new book, The Spiritual Atheist. You will find the link to that book down there. It's a, it's a fascinating book where he tries to bridge spiritual growth and spiritual development with the real need to make change in the world. And so my, my sole purpose was to talk about that, but then we hit the uh, road running, as you say, and covered a lot of topics and veered into different areas such as Well, well, his personal background to the spiritual atheist, uh, pathologies of spirituality, chaos and order. Um, we, we talked about the daemon, that is, find your note and beyond the individual. We talked a little bit about Jordan Peterson, Simple, uh, John Bunzel, Hansi Freinacht, and Metamodernism. We talked about disruptive innovations and meta models of evolution and uh, applications of those evolutionary meta models. So uh, for me personally, it was a super interesting um, conversation. Um, I hope you, you will feel the same way. I think um, Nick has like a deep insight and has a lot to offer. Yeah, so um, enjoy the show. My name is Tom Mark. Lateral Conversations. Enjoy the summer. Nick, thank you that you that you're here and that you took the time. Thank you. You're coming from London. Um, you have written a book, just published it in, in September, um, "Spiritual Atheist." Um, but before we come to that, um, would you describe 
a little bit um, about your way, how you came about to write this book, because as far as I understand, you have quite the, the interesting and unusual background. <laughs> well, the actual book on the micro level, the book came to me in a flash of inspiration. Um, what something I might call a download. Um, one evening I was actually in the middle of writing another book and I met a very religious person um, for dinner, just randomly happened to be at a dinner. I wasn't going to go. And his basic question to me was, how can you be uh, some form of spiritual teacher, philosopher, but you don't believe in, in God? He couldn't see those could be a, there's no Venn diagram for him where that was an overlapping segment. And I was like, oh, so I tried to give him a bit of a sense of, of, of what that means to me. And in, the, in my Uber car drive home, uh, literally nine out of the 10 chapters came to me in, in, and they haven't changed over the three years of writing. Um, and for the first time in my life, I put the book I was writing aside and like, let this book come out. So that's the sort of micro level was a sort of mini version of a sort of fractal version of some of the ideas in the book around uh, ideas and inspirations that are bigger than one's own mind, I guess. Right. So that was kind of a micro question, micro answer. The macro answer is um, I've spent, I think now over 30 years, I'm trying to work out where I am. Yeah, about 30 years. So the book starts about 30 years ago. And um, I'd been in, brought up in a, my religion of birth um, and had had a bar mitzvah. So it was uh, Jewish, giving the game away, Jewish religion. And then I was in this kind of after 13 year old class um, where you had to sort of graduate when you were 15 with a bit more depth of, of Jewish knowledge. And this is like the time I was coming alive. I was, you know, exploring other avenues of life and things. And I realized it didn't make any sense to me at all, any of it. But there was this sort of little bit that was glimpsed in, in some of the writings I, I'd read, which I now know were mystical writings, but there was no one to teach me and no one to direct me. And so I essentially became a fully fledged sort of corrosive anti-spiritual anti-religious atheist uh, and there's some psychological stuff in there because my dad was and so i was sort of connecting with him um but also connecting with marx connecting with freud um you know i was i was growing i was having you know um uh you know an enlightenment of my own a sort of my uh, a sort of uh uh, uh recapitulation of the big enlightenment um so and i call that my first conversion so i was kind of converted to atheism um but there's always this other part of me that was always um what i now call in others love curious you know i was curious about this other form of knowing this other f experience of knowing that wasn't so mental it was more embodied more heartfelt i felt it i felt it on dance floors i felt it in friendships i felt it in lovemaking um And I felt it in nature, but didn't have a mental structure for it and didn't allow it really to be there. And then I was suffering and I had depression and all those sort of things that happen when you're, when you're cut off from yourself. Um, and then after a sort of another sort of transition point crisis, spiritual emergency, breakdown, burnout, um, I sort of took, the, took my lenses off philosophically and said okay i need to understand this thing called spirituality and i've always loathed new age spirituality particularly <laughs> the language the memes the visuals the diagrams the branding um the easy platitudes the the disconnection from political discourse 
and the hypocrisy, actually, probably more than anything, the hypocrisy. Um, but I thought, you know, I've got to get into it myself. So I went on experiences. I um, opened up uh, doors of perceptions, uh, various ways. Um, I read some primary texts in translation, obviously. And over a very short period, I realized I had a sort of second conversion, um, uh, which was to a non-dual spirituality, a very profound non-dual spirituality. And for most people, that would be, okay, great. I sort of found the truth of existence. Awesome. Lucky me. Um, but there was all the, but there, there was still these two polarities in me, the spirituality and this atheism. And I knew both were correct in some degree. Um, and I realized that it was a, this is actually a question in society. How do you marry these seeming opposites right. of spirituality and atheism where atheism is super great, right? You know, I work in business, I work in technology, I work in, in areas where you don't want religious um, rules, you don't want religious power games, you don't want any of that stuff. It's like, Whoa. but then you're left with this diminished, disenchanted, disconnected, literally soulless life, which ultimately leads people to depression of some sort and anxiety, you know, the, the, some, something like that. Right. Um, and then I know spirituality is right in a sense of I know love is right. I know love is true. I know connection is true. But left to itself, it ends up in often in gurus and cults and coming out of society, um, you know, going off grid, countercultural. And I'm for the culture. I'm for, I'm for society. I want society to evolve. I don't want to leave because it's not convenient for me. And so that was what I realized. So the book was both a personal journey of how do I make sense of these together in a rigorous way. Right. And also, how do I marry them for others so that people can... I guess the ultimate reason I wrote the book was I know scores and I work with tens of thousands of people who I know want something for the heart but because they come from an enlightened, ra rational, reasonable worldview, they feel that all that new age spirituality is cut off for them. Right. And that for me is a tragedy. Yes. Yeah, I, I think um, both modernistic thinking and, and spiritual esoteric thinking, they, they, they're caricatures by now. You know, you, yeah. can't, you can't really full-heartedly... I mean, you can obviously, but um, <laughs> people do. I, 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 <laughs> yes, but but I, I think like uh, I rather I, I form uh, I, I formulate it in a different way. I rather be with a with a very normal um, modernistic con concrete operational person who values like respect and honor and loyalty way more than an over spiritual person. Mm. You know, it's like it's too much for me. Like it's it's the, the older I get, the more. Um, I have my problems with these people who who are in, entrenched in these in the spiritual worldviews and 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 don't really interact with the world and, and and its problems. And so, what I see in your book is that you try to connect the best of both worlds. You know, of like modernistic thinking, the the, the rational uh, appeal it has, and and to to to, to um, find ways to better our world with the with the insights you have from the wisdom traditions. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I don't see them as, and and as I guess with many writers, as I wrote the book, I discovered more about what I believe, feel, you know, has had a number of breakthroughs uh, along the way. Because one of the things that I stumbled me at one point in my life 
uh, when I became a postmodernist, um, somewhere in the middle of the of this journey, um, I fully got behind the ability to deconstruct any paradigm as a form of power play or psychological power play, political and or psychological power play. And then I had this f sense of non-duality that was seemed to be able to resist deconstruction. Um, so, for example, I had a breakthrough around that, how to make sense of that, which is something that had been troubling me for a long time, you know. Um, if you can deconstruct all the religions, you can deconstruct all political views, even science you can deconstruct. Sure. What is left other than nihilistic nothingness? So that was a, you know, thing. So, so you had a time in your life where you, where you um, decisively were a postmodernist? Definitely. And, yeah, oh, yeah. my God. And not just in theory, but also in, in, your, in your kind of lifestyle? Or how do yes. I... Yes, there was like a, you know, I ended up getting a job. After that, I got a job in, in advertising, having been on the path of being a medical doctor. And suddenly I'm in like the opposite land. Um, and part of that was probably a sort of ironic sense of, of sort of postmodern nihilism of, um, you know, what, what difference does it make? I think there was, I think there was a, a deeper, more wise part of me working at that point too. Right. I only knew that in hindsight. Um, but yes, philosophically, emotionally, I was out in the, the lands of deconstructed uh, flatlands, I think people have called it, you know, right. where there's no, there is no truth, or not with a capital T, there are partial truths. Um, and so, yeah, so I guess there's, these days you've got people who are in that world, you've got people who are fundamentally clinging on to reason as progress. You get a lot of that in the left, on the left wing also in the right wing, but you know, um, and then you've got people who are in this spiritual land where actually I think they are not spiritual in the sense that I understand spiritual. They've entered into new agery, which for me is actually an aesthetic choice. It's not a philosophical choice. Um, and in fact, I think a lot of this new ageism we see today is actually driven by a psychological dissociation rather than, uh, you know, trauma traumatic dissociation response to pain Probably, yes. and the world of pain that we're in. Um, which is probably why a lot of people find it very, it's, it floats, it's floaty, it floats away rather than comes in and goes, this is suffering, let's get into this moment now. Um, so I'd actually say it's probably in some ways anti-spiritual. Uh, this is the problem with the S word, is spiritual sometimes has the feeling of noumenal, light, thin type feeling. Um, a going away and ascetic, ascetic sort of you know world denying uh, piece, and then it's got this Nowist in the moment, live right now, right. go to Burning Man, suck the marrow out of life, and it kind of means all of it and none of it. So it's a it's a problematic word, yeah. and it took me a long time to put it in the title for two reasons: one, because I don't even know what it is, don't ask me really, um, but B, because I work in the very much the real world, my my living, my livelihood my children's well-being is driven in this real reality. Right. Though I bring love and connection and I bring spiritual truths into my work, the S word can really get freak people out um, in the sort of Anglo-Saxon media system. Um, and in fact, I've had it very interestingly, I had um, my PR guy in the UK had uh, a journalist from a well-known left-leaning uh, rational newspaper um, take him off his uh, mailing list, come off his mailing list, just uh, like the day he got the, the press release of Spiritual Atheist, without reading it, you know, without knowing anything about me, 
um, and the fact that I'm a fairly serious person. Right. Uh, you know, um, because of this jerk reaction away from spirituality, which doesn't help when you go on Facebook and Instagram and see all these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was actually the reason why <laughs> I, I wrote my last book about the will to transcendence. Like the, the basic idea is that, that we, what we understand um, with, with spirituality, it's, it's an incoherent mess. Basically, and so and so, like, what is it? What is it about? Is it about healing, or is it about transcendence, or what is it? And so that that was my initial question. And so I I I I, I um, differentiated between, like, for example, spiritual uh, virtue signaling, yeah. where you just like um, present some values without really believing in yeah. in them, and on the other side, like this deep eternal truth that you have to face pain. And that, that you have to uh, battle with chaos in a way and that you have like these eternal techniques, these anthropo techniques, that you have to sacrifice things to gain other things. You know? Absolutely. Which no, I believe, like you, I, I'm reading your book. Uh, I saw enormous parallels, similarities, overlaps, connectivities. Um, and actually, my, having read um, Maps of Meaning recently, also in that book, My, my understanding of, because I work in transformation, so individual, leader, organizational. So I, this is my, I actually, in some way, a bit I didn't tell you is part of my journey back into spirituality and mysticism was because when you see groups of people have innovative ideas and breakthroughs that come from somewhere, but almost nowhere, you can't, there's no way to analyze that from a um, reductionist rationalist worldview that says all thought comes from uh, firing of molecules. So in some ways you have to, you, you have to become mystical if you want to understand creativity well. And this archetypal journey that in my work, I illustrate with a J shaped curve that if the listener has that in their mind, where you start with a form of order, but it's a, it's a, an order that's failing The, the environment it's, it's evolutionary not fitting a psychological structure as, as you wrote in your books so, uh, but it could be an organizational structure political structure the world's moving um, they're no longer working quite well you're getting pain and suffering because of that disconnect and the only way to get to a higher order structure which fits better is to go into chaos exactly and to exactly. proactively go into chaos because otherwise yeah. chaos pulls you down and that's what we call depression or anxiety their responses to that pull And this spiritual, psychological, evolutionary reality is you only get the breakthrough, the transformation when you are prepared, as you say, to enter chaos, to battle with chaos, which is a similar metaphor to Jordan Peterson's idea of the hero, uh, battling yes. feminine chaos, chaos, to bring up an all, a masculine order. And I, I don't necessarily believe that specific gender thing, but I'm just making the metaphor and i think that's why spirituality is so important because i don't believe you can go on that journey either pur proactively purposefully or in any way enjoy it <laughs> just on a pretty pragmatic level yeah unless you understand what i would call the non-dual experience of connection right um that we are all one it's all good you're loved that basic hump level because it makes it all okay and as i write in in various places It's only that spiritual experience, and I don't know whether it's the right word for it anymore. Um, loving experience, connective experience, connective consciousness I use as in, one in the book. It's only that experience that I've ex learned myself on the most pragmatic level of my own suffering. Right. That is a bigger 
solvent to the structures of psychological pain that we have in our on, in our being, which I call patterning, protective patterning. It's the only thing I know. So I don't think you can even do transformation without some access to spiritual connection. But we don't necessarily call it that. We call it, you know, I'm an artist. I'm a creative. I'm a I'm a healer. Whatever. So, so but let let me ask, how did it come about? Because as far as I understand, you had quite a well. Uh, established career you know before your first transformation or your second transformation and you you work with the bbc and you are a philosopher and 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 you are quite quite success successful in, in what you're doing in 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 that high energy city like london is so what what exactly happened that hmm. that, that you turned the postmodernist so that what you know like where um, where did that urge to find something deeper um, come from? Well, I'd had, I'd had the philosophical postmodern turn 10 years earlier. Um, and I'd found my, and I sort of let go of any, almost in some ways let go of the need to do something good in the world. So that's why I was suddenly in advertising and then in innovation. I hadn't really, hadn't really connect, connected back to purpose for a long time. Um, and I'm actually realizing this now, um, which I think was a response to the deconstruction of science that I'd learned in, in, in Derrida and, and Foucault, et cetera. And so fast forward 10 years and I'm sitting atop a, a, a mini empire um, with a bunch of staff and a bunch of money and a bunch of clients and lots of sexy consumerist, liberal democratic goodness. Um, my ego was being pumped regularly by being seen as something and, um, And yet internally, my internal structures were, were failing both that model, business model, if you like, but also that personality model. And there was some bigger force pulling me into deconstruction, into descent, into chaos, into the via negativa, into sacrifice, into surrender. I just didn't know it. I didn't know that was a thing. And therapy wasn't working and sex wasn't working and the drugs weren't working and all this stuff wasn't <laughs> working. And in my language now, so this is not what I knew then, in my language now, um, my own inner guru, inner shaman, the universe, the Amiga point, take your pick what language you want to use, was signaling to my psychological structures, this doesn't work. This is not a fit. You cannot run this life, the life you want, And particularly actually relationships. You can't run love um, and not just lust and power and um, the projection of your desires on others, the anima animus type stuff. Real intimate love, which is what I wanted so much. You can't do all that with the psychological structures you've got. Um, and that means both your own ego, your idea of who you are, um, the idea of being a business entrepreneur, leader, uh, the idea of doing innovation for companies that are messing up the world. You can't do any of that and have this. And the confusion, I guess, the chaos was sucking me down. And I experienced it as a full entrepreneurial burnout. Relationship broke the same week. I think that was the trigger, actually. A relationship oh, wow. meltdown, which then triggered a kind of, I was literally on the floor crying. My mom's a psychotherapist, came over, sort of held me in some way. And I was like, I can't, I've got to get out. I've got to get out of the suffering moment. I've got to get out of the pain of this business and this work and everything I'm doing. I need space and I need to work out what is it within me that is calling for a transformation? And I believe that signaling in some way is metaphysically real. 
it's the manifestation of the non-dual in the dual, in the relative, the absolute in the relative. And it's always going on internally to us. And part of the spiritual journey for me is about refining how we understand that, that guidance system, how we feel it in our body, how, we, how it appears in our mind as intuition or insight or imagination. Um, and, but that's, that, so it was kind of like, there's another simpler way of saying this is the universe calls you on the phone and goes, yo, dude, what you're doing ain't working. I'm going to give you a little bit of pain so that you can go on this journey. Uh, and if you don't listen, it goes, I'm going to give you some more pain because you're not listening. <laughs> still. Uh, oh my God, I'm going to give you some more pain because you really didn't get it. I'm going to get a divorce for you. I think maybe some addiction. Uh, I think your kids are going to hate you. Um, your business is going to go bankrupt. You're going to be 45 and have no meaning and you're going to get a Ferrari or Tesla. Uh, and then right now on the macro level of the world, we're getting the, you know, dude, what you're doing isn't working. We're going to you know, melt the Arctic seabed and we're going to cause like pollution and we're going to have some psychiatric illness going rife like personality disorders it's all signaling that the structures that we've that we've developed which are habitual which were useful and I must always remember they had a they had a value um but they're immature um and many transformations so i guess in a nutshell that is the live version of the spirituality in the atheism if that makes right. sense Right. And, but, but do you have like spiritual practices that you practice or yes, like, okay. have to. so I, th I don't think you can have a spiritual life without spiritual practice. So which one, which one are those? Um, well, I go through different flavors. Um, pretty much every day I will do, I, I don't like you to use the word meditation because it takes people into a certain type of, of contemplative experience, but I do a, a kind of, what could I call it? trauma, pain, and disconnect scan All right. of my inner experience. Anything during the day that has had me feel unloved, disconnected, not true, not purposeful, not at peace. And then I work on that in a, in a sort of closed eye, shamanic, psychotherapeutic, psychodynamic, shamanic way, uh, which I could describe in another another. Ch chunk let me just ask a lateral lateral question so yeah. so how much how much does systems theory help you with that because you mentioned that you are like a systems theorist yes like this kind of model and and i'm i mentioned it because i, li I like it very much luman yes. and maturana the heroes of yes. mine um forever so yes. but in, in what way i think does does help you does mm -hmm. the, did such a mindset help you to um do that Well, I think that two things come to, come to mind as you ask me that. I've never been asked that question before, so really interesting question. So on the one hand, I experience the un this thing people call the universe in spiritual law, uh, L-O-R-E, not L-A-W. They're probably in L-A-W too. Um, I experience the universe as a complex living system. I don't experience it as a god, a person, the spirit of the vine, For me, it's a complex, it's the entirety of the orchestra of experience of living. So that's in one way, that's always for me um, very real. And I experience myself as that, um, as a one node in that complex living system, powerful and useful, but also just one node in the gazillion nodes. So that's one level. I guess psychodynamically, I experience myself in a kind of constellation of, of people, family, friends clients ancestors 
Um, so I'm always looking at the cons- my trauma, my pain as a part of a constellation. Um, and then I guess I'm also looking at my body, what I call body mind, because I don't like the dualistic split, the body mind. I'm looking at that as a system of bacteria and um, now tapeworms, whatever, um, brain systems. So I guess as a systems theorist, and that, we haven't even talked about politics, obviously, that's another whole economic system. But I guess systems thinking as a lens allows you to get out of, I've never thought about this before, but in some ways, God, religion, is a linear way of experiencing non-linear systemic truths. And it got us into a lot of problems, as most linear thinking eventually does, right? <laughs> so, or thinking of it as, my dad fucked me up, you know, uh, excuse my French, um, <laughs> or excuse my German. Um, so uh, I think I guess- that is God, actually. I think like these non-linear non, um, uh, evolutionary processes it's it's, it's that what we that's god that That is god yeah i think stuart kaufman says becoming is god right Mm. the creative system of life is god and that's for me that's enough that's amazing that's like that's the epic mystery of this complex system that's always you know it seems to have in this is again a word i don't like to use in a spiritual setting because it gets taken but this system is, has intelligence, right? It has wisdom and intelligence. And so that listening into your intuition, your insights, when you can purify it through your own wisdom practices, spiritual practices, you get to realize it's not about you. It's just about the system saying, can you play this note? Because over here, there's a deep bass that's not quite harmonious. Right. That's my metaphor. Right. There's a harmonious desire for, for evolution and harmony, balance and becoming. And all we are is just one note in that system. And then, um, but we complicate it so much with these ego structures, these patterns, these protective patterns, and we can't listen anymore. But that's a really amazing life journey is how do I listen for what to do next? I, this, this is super interesting because if you, if you operate with like things like a deeper self or a higher self or without <laughs> getting too spiritual about it, like yeah. this, this part which, which um, psychology sometimes describes as a, as a diamond, or yes. like that, that part which which um, lies beyond that superficial array of behaviors and mm-hmm. con- conditioned behaviors. So, and but but at the same time, wh- while this is deeply uh, in- individual, it it is like something that is given to you and that you can listen to, and it's something that for lack of a better term, comes from the outside. You know, you have to give yourself over to it. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with, with, with your ego or something mm-hmm. like that. This is something that is, um, in a way, forced on you. You know, you, you, you know what it's I'm saying? It's by the nature of being alive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because our language breaks down because it's, it is both inside you, in your deepest cells, there is, I believe, um, a non-dual experience, um, and, you know, there's an interesting science now about microtubules and, and, and quantum superposition in the brain cells. And so there's, there's both an inner, inner version of that transcendent, which we could call imminent. And then there's the transcendent outside of you version, which people then sometimes project onto God or angels or exactly. some entity. I'm, I'm sort of anti-entity. Um, and I have long conversations with my wife, who is sort of pro-entity, um, as in, other dimensional entities right um but but we teach together on stage so we've all had to agree what's our teaching which is there is some form of knowing that 
doesn't come from your ego structure. Right. Listen, listen to it. <laughs> That's no, it. No, exactly. Like listen it. to it. And you said it's like the note that you have to play. Yes. The note you have to play. For, for, for the whole thing. Exactly. But mm. if you think of it as your, gram, your great grandma or the archangel Gabriel or your spirit guide, great, great for you. But that's, that's not what we teach. You know, right. you want to have that experience, fine. Um, so actually having a wife or business partner who you have to teach with on stage has, it makes you have to really discern what is metaphysics, what is pragmatic um, process, if you like. Right. Um, but I love it. But I, so we were saying about this system and you've given it. Um, I actually believe, and this is slightly speculative, but there is some good evidence for this as well. So I'm going to move into this sort of science and spirituality coming together place. So a lot of the work in, in brain science, in creativity, has, has identified these two brain networks that are um, seemingly asynchronous, as in one pops in when the other one goes off. Much like, a, as I describe it, a bicep and a tricep. You know, you want, they're antagonistic pairs, and nature right. seems to like them because then we get movement. You can only have movement when you go from one to two, and then you can do this. So we've got these two brain networks, and I actually think they map into a number of fractal areas. One is a protective desire, um, which I call in my sort of wisdom world, the protector and the connector. But in my business world, I call uh, control mode and create mode. Right. Um, which I think then match up to a form of consciousness, which you can call connective or cosmic as William James does, um, and separation consciousness or rational consciousness or whatever, atheistic consciousness. Um, concrete operational. That... Concrete operational, formal, logical, whatever, uh, intellectual, blah, blah, you know, some kind of higher levels of, of systems, complexity um, stuff. And I guess then the job of life is to know that both of these are wonderful. One ends up creating science and one ends up creating mysticism as their best way of knowing. But there's all, these are two, they're only one, but they think of them as two. And what's really happened in the last 500 years is One of them's gone, no, I'm the best. God is the truth. The other one, because it's been a distorted spirituality, one of them's gone, uh, no, science is the truth. Um, no, one of them is, you know, get your child immunized. One is, no, I feel it. So we're just, this is this kind of, and I think where I, I, I come to, and this is echoes of different thinkers over the years, is wisdom is being able to create a, a harmonic tension between these two. Right. And know that they're both right. And I saw that in your reading. Um, how can you be world-denying and live in the moment? How, how can spirituality have all these seemingly opposite polarities? And I think the wisdom comes, and I mean this in a very lived way today as you live. How do I include, bound, like we've been speaking about politics, how do I include boundaries which create safety and which create resource, uh, the ability to create resources on the health system or whatever? Right whilst also keeping openness and, and connection and, and tolerance and love and, and brotherhood and sisterhood. Right. So no, no, it's like uh, you even have it with, with newer models on, on brain function, you know? Absolutely. Like, like what, Absolutely. what's the what's neurologist named Gil, Gilbraith um, who, who wrote about like the, like traditionally we, we think like the, the one part of the brain is more like rationalistic and the other one more yes. emotional, like creative. But he has like this model that the one part is more like creating order Yes, and so exactly right. like like um, 
doing particular tasks, for example, with your hand, and the other one exactly. is like more confronting chaos, and that what you feel when you reach into a dark room and trying to find the, the light switch and like the, the exactly and the chaos you, you experience. And so you have to find like the perfect balance. Yeah, and actually, and just so, 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 the, so these are the executive control network and the default mode network. And a year ago, new bit of research, people who are known to be very innovative, whereas innovation is applied creativity. It's not just creativity. It's actually doing something with it. Right. They seem to be able to cycle between these two brain networks very quickly. Right. Uh, which is interesting, having been a professional innovation consultant, um, which is, in, you know, is, is a kind of pragmatic version of this. But I think, you know, as a parent, as I am, you have the same stuff. You have to con control, order, best practice rules you have to create structures around your family oh. and then you also want to open newness and chaos into it otherwise it becomes boring and stale and you can see the same thing in jordan peterson's older work um I, i'm about to say his real work as and i'm distinguishing <laughs> for him his sort of political campaigning uh which i think is one thing and actually i think his core understanding of narrative and this is the narrative structure is this descent into the chaos purposefully to find newness that can solve new, new problems that you haven't got structures for right in a nutshell right no I, I completely agree i think like even even his work um on on, on the big five model that's hugely interesting you know yes. and, and 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 so and and I, I i don't know i think he's like an interesting person in our time but um politically I, I don't know, but like as a psychologist, I think he is beyond reproach. Like, well, this is the thing. Actually, I, I wrote an article about this because I actually think that whether you, whichever branch of, let's say, mind you come from—psychology, philosophy, guru, whatever—part it's not good enough anymore to have your work as a professional intellectual credible separated from your being from who you show up as in the world and the last thing we want is more gurus of any kind who speak one thing in their in their writings and their truth and then they act in a way that models for people a way of being which doesn't work and this is why this spiritual piece is so important because the work of transforming our psychology every day is the work it's the most important work it's the basic it's the one it's the stage one of everything mm. because then If you're doing that work, then when you get on stage and your ego starts to take over, which, which I call the protective patterning, so it's not, I don't see it as a bad thing. It's just the biologically designed to have modes of being that we learned or that we developed to protect ourselves. We can go, oh, hold on a minute. I'm getting outraged. I'm, I'm triggering outrage. I'm enjoying the high of being outrageous. That's not helpful in the world today. We don't, we, this is not helpful at all. Right. Um, and a man of... Um, And I'm not picking on Jordan Peterson. I think you know he's, he's just one. He's just an interesting example um, that if ever in the world's history we need people who express their thinking with their feeling states, with balanced, harmonious feeling states. I think we need that now, right? And without becoming boring, right? Because boring doesn't go anywhere. Sure. You know what? What I always liked about about him, and it's like when when you see other other thinkers like like Wilbur for example they struggled for years um to to get an audience and, yes. and 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 then you have like on the other side some somebody who was 
like Jordan Peterson, who like in the beginning made podcasts with everybody, like even with me, you know, it's like, and so he built like a grassroots movement. And yeah. so, and so, and, and, and he explained it that at some point you have to point, uh, to put a flag into the soil and to take a stand. It doesn't, you know, you have to do something like yeah. if you are, if you are, if you want to engage with the world and, and the problem is as soon as you engage with the world, your perspective gets even more partial. You know, so so, and that's and that's yes. that's kind of a problem because you know you have to. You know, I, I don't I don't want to be like his lawyer, but you know you uh, have. <laughs> but, but you have to. He, he apologist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he, you have to imagine that he worked for twenty or thirty years in the most postmodern epicenters there yes. are in this world, like in Harvard and in Toronto. So he must know all the rules that are at play in these. You can't be like really hard hard right. And in that kind of environment for 20, 30 years as a psychologist. Yes. So, so it doesn't make any sense, you know? So, and, 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 and I always liked it that he, that he tried out his perspectives and actually did something and actually con contributed for better or worse something to cultural dialogue than just like sit back and like, like many spiritual people and think, like, let's, let's meditate about the world and, and it will somehow get better by energies or osmosis I mean, but here's, and, and this is a very interesting point because now we've got to a fully fledged practical manifestation of these two polarities of what i call control and protect mode and create and connect mode and i have this very much myself in my own career so for so when you said he had to make a stand and whatever but was that from a point of view of perp what i would call purpose and and, and being called or from a point of view of marketing and wanting to have an audience and wanting to create a spark of, of a critical mass, you know, a moment and um, versus Wilbur who spent 20 years. So I'm probably more in the Wilbur camp of, I put a lot of book out there, I put a lot of talk out there and it's a very slow growth. I get an audience and it's growing and it's, but it's not what my ego wants. My ego wants the bestseller book. My ego wants to have the numbers that Jordan has on his, um, patreon site you know that's what my ego wants and then i kind of go into her and i could do more stuff and i could make more tv shows and i could spread the word more and i have to constantly cycle through in my nightly my nightly meditation um what is that is that my protecting mode wanting more and better because i want to feel better about myself i want to feel more like there's impact and right or is it my heart saying now is the time to step further out because you're ready because you've done your work and now, and it's I never, but I never get that impression. You know, I've, as a, as a publisher, I get so many, so many books and manuscripts, which are basically like constant advertisement for some method or something. Yes. And, and it's not, it's not genuine work, you know? And then, yes. then nowadays you get a book and there, then there's some, you, you know, it instantly when somebody has something unique to say, which is like, it, it, it comes through him and he has to do it, but it's not about the money. You know, yes. so so and you you as a publisher, I, I see that I recognize that instantly, and as yes. soon as I get a manuscript which is just an advertisement show, for yes, some, so I, it just goes into the bin. You know, so and, and and it's the same with podcasting and and with Peter's nine. I while I doing this this interview with him, I never had the impression that that he um, has a master plan to have like what is it eighty thousand dollars for yeah. patron or something. Yeah, it, yeah. It's like three years ago, he just had his Bill C-16 thing and he didn't yeah, yeah. know what, what was in store for him. 
So and so, so our conversation was quite genuine. I felt, you know. Yes, but when you read his older writings, you f- I feel a different person than, than what I see now on on YouTube. Right. Um, and that's what I mean by that constant work. If you do make it, so I had a TV show at one point, and I had all these things. If you do make it in some way, you have to do, double down on the work, the inner work, because you're going to get so much more uh, distortion, people sycophanting towards you, people wanting to touch your touch your earlobe to get the direct transmission of the guru. Uh, and, so, <laughs> and, and that's a, it is, and that, so I think that the work has to double down because as you say, there's no point then also being world denying and like, I'm just going to write my book and meditate over here because I don't deserve to have a career as a thinker, writer. And that's, it's a really interesting journey. And I think for gurus and wisdom teachers, and there's a whole bit in your book, which I really enjoyed about, the guru experience um there's you don't want to deny the world your power and your strength to, to bring people into harmony and alignment and awakening that's the last thing you want to do but neither do you want to get high on it and think the world needs you right now and and then between the two is the truth right um and i guess for me personally i was very lucky in that my psychological distortion slash trauma was neurosis where you don't believe in yourself enough so even to write a book i had to go through like 20 years of (laughs) no but that's amazing thing (laughs) um versus a lot of the more guru type people who i think they have the opposite trauma which is what you would call in psychology a personality disorder where you don't care enough about what people think um and then you go off and sort of puff what we call puffery and so in some ways I was lucky that my trauma was, was no one wants to hear from me. I'm a nothing. Um, uh, but for me, it's a constant thing. You know, I get, I have to make every day I have to make a decision. Do I record another video, which may go viral, let's say in my world, do I make some money doing the, my work in this organization? Do I write another book? So I've got an idea for a book, which is um, a book around how spiritual development and politics have to come together. It's so right now. Like I know it's right, right now. It's like the zeitgeist. Got a great name for it as well. Um, and yet it doesn't feel like it's... And if I was just trying to promote myself, I would write that right now. <clears throat> podcast, all that sort of stuff. Um, but it doesn't feel like it's what wants to come through me right now, which is this bigger body of work around the transformational right. journey. And so I'm constantly having these sort of inner, not conflict's not the right word, discussions, and I have to find out how to make them dialogues. No, it makes completely sense, yes. Yeah, in the Bohmian sense. How do I get... No, but you even say that in the, I'm sorry, in the, in the spiritual manifesto you, you yeah. wrote, the, um, that you, you make this connection between the, the internal, um, how, how you phrase it, you know, the, the internal conflict and drama and the necessity and the possibility it gives to create something in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, you have like, it's not, you, you make this, this relationship very um, palpable. You know, mm-hmm. you have to, it's like you, you can't just be with yourself and, and do the next trauma thing, especially if you want to write a book. You, it has to do something with your own journey. It has to. Um, yes, biblio, bibliotherapy, the writing is, is your own building. <laughs> uh, um, yes, and I think that's what we've got in the world at the moment. So I, went, I moved to California for one major reason, which is you have three or four 
industries, if you like, or human systems in Zenith, in the Zenith, you have the sort of social change space with all the Berkeley countercultural stuff, um, non-profits, social enterprise, social innovation scenario. Um, but it's almost entirely disconnected from heart. And you have this massive new age, Esalen, love, da, da, da. But it's almost entirely disconnected from homelessness and... and reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you have, it, of course, technology and media, the two big industries of the world that are shaping all our uh, brains in such an interesting way. Um, because I, I sense that it's only when all four of these worlds, um, I guess now I would add the sustainability movement, the green and you know, renaturing, rewilding movement for these five things that aren't, that, as a publisher, you know, you, I don't know if you do, the average publisher separates them into five mm. different genres. And I'm trying to write in all four, I'm trying to wrap them together back into the source of, of like a, you know, Neoplatonic oneness rather than the German not German, current German, you know, the German enlightenment idea of separating. Right. And it's really hard because the world's not kind of not ready for it. It's like, was this a book about sustainability? I'm like, yeah. Is it a book about spirituality? Yeah. Well, we don't publish those two areas. Right. Okay. (laughs) Although it it, it seems to be like um, zeitgeist, you know, you have, um, I don't know if you know the book Simple from John Bunsell. He tries to connect like the the, the evolution of consciousness to... um, political movements and he says that we have to grow beyond nation-centric thinking and we have to adapt our political systems to a new way of global thinking and so he creates this kind of policy um, by which we can use um, our existing electoral structures to act globally in a way and so that, that, that's, that's, a, that's an approach and then of course you have Hansi Freinacht who, yes. who urges um, political theory and social theory and, and developmental uh, theories about consciousness. And yes. so that's, I think that's a, um, useful and, and extremely in our times necessary. It is. It's the most, probably the most necessary thing. It's such interesting. Um, the Heinze team um, read Spiritual Atheist and said, without knowing it, you've written like a metamodern manifesto and i was like oh i don't even know i didn't even know what metamodern it was it was a year ago yeah um and um so yeah i'm really excited about reading because it, it, i think we're and i don't i hasten to use this term from you know the developmental stage type thing but high higher order thinkers and i don't mean that they're good or bad or better or worse i'm just that's where they've got to in their evolution i think are realizing we need to reconnect the micro individual psychological spiritual world right. development with the uber macro economic liberal system development nation states federations city level innovation technology climate change they need to come together there's, there's just like this it's, it's the most obvious thing to me um but i've been out there peddling that story for at least 13 years and it's not a story that lands very well outside of the people who've already had right mm-hmm. the breakthrough Mm. Um, although I do believe I've now found ways to bring leaders into that conversation and I, I can get people there, but I don't think, uh, but it's a journey and I, and I don't get them on the journey often saying, so I have, to, I have to almost choose which doorway are they going to be interested in? Is it sustainability? Is it leadership? Is it innovation, technology, right. is it spirituality? And then I take them to the same place, uh, which is this transformational methodology that my wife and I are putting together or unfolding or whatever you want to call it. Um, but the doorway is still very separate. 
feels very separate. And he, you know, I went to a big bookshop the other day. I was looking for inspiration for book covers. And you have to decide, do I want self-help? Or do I want political blah, blah? Or do I want philosophy? And they're totally different authors and right. mm-hmm. in there. And my book, booksellers tell me, you know, they, 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 they have to list my books in multiple places. To, you know, and yeah, yeah, yeah. A great challenge because the mind also is very busy, overwhelmed, attention. You want little things like this is a book that's going to help me lose weight. This is a book that's going to help me be green, you know, whatever. Give me a solution. And unfortunately, the journey is much more complex than that, isn't it? We've got sure. to go on a, on a, uh, a journey of, of ind- individual building and s- literally socioeconomic renewal and, and fundamental transformation. Right. If I did it this week, so I, I, I have one of our modules in our leadership program is uh, disruptive innovation and, or transformational innovation. Mm. And so I talk to people about how the process works. I show them that J-curve, but from an innovation lens and how it works. And then I put up two images. One is a picture of my son from this year from the Tate Modern Exhibition of Van Gogh, uh, The Starry Night. And I go, this is a disruptive innovation. It's now one of the most expensive paintings in the world. It's most valued, exponential value. It's the Uber of painting, um, but it's possible he didn't sell a, sell a single painting in his lifetime. So are you ready for that journey? And then I put a picture of uh, Jeff Bezos, who's now the world's richest man, sitting in his uh, office with a w- table made of wood with a spray-painted Amazon on a sheet. Well, mm. Going, you know, are you ready for this journey? You know, this is where he was. He left, he left New York and the, you know, the wealth of being a trader. And that's where he was for 10 years, you know five years, whatever. And I'm like, that's the challenge of transformation is are you prepared to not sell a single book in your lifetime? In fact, the Joseph Campbell wrote, uh, you know, one of his talks that was then put into a book, um, wonderful metaphor for this, which I'll try and re, re relay without, um, ruining too much, which is when you go on the hero's journey, which is all what we're talking about, right? You come out of the chaos and you come out with this boon, you're dripping with newness, which I would believe is what the universe wants you to bring to the world because that's why it's given you this boon. Uh, but the world's not ready for your boon. Um, they're not sitting around going, where is Nick and his books? I've been waiting. Oh, oh, wait. So then you have to, you make these decisions. You have to, and I think uh, Campbell bifurcates the path into three. Um, I probably make it into two, but I think the three that I remember, one is you realize no one wants it. So you go back to being the farmer you were and having a safe, stable income. And you maybe do some painting on the side. Um, but that's it. You don't bring your boon to the world. Um, the other is you go full boon and you create crazy painting. We never sell any. So you live in poverty and your children hate you and they grow <laughs> up with trauma and whatever. Um, or the third path, which is the one I'm attempting to walk down. You bring your, your art to the world um, and you try and bring the world to your art, um, which is marketing. For one of a better term. You can't, we can't get away from the fact that, um, um, and that's a very difficult path to get right, to get the sound right, to get your heart there, but also know that someone's going to pay uh, for this time that we're in this experience together, right? Um, right. We have to have a business model for our, for our teachings. Right. Um, and it's a very difficult thing to get right. right. Uh, and the marketing pieces, a friend of mine runs a thing called Awarepreneurs, which is like conscious entrepreneurs. Um, he posted something the other day about, you know, you burnt out from marketing. And I actually said, I just wrote one sentence. I've got marketing ennui, both the giving and the receiving. Like my own marketing, I'm just like, oh, I can't just, the idea of just doing any of it is right at the moment is like, Pleh. 
but even just getting it, you know, I've got this program and this course and this thing, and then we've been so marketed out. Yeah. So that's what you have to do if you have books or, or ideas. You have to market it to someone. Right. Otherwise, literally no one will ever listen. Right. You know, I think like, like we're, we're such an, in such interesting times, like, like doing, for example, a podcast and, and the, the people I personally get to know, like, like the conversation we have and, and, and what's different like to, to 100 years ago, we have this, we are all digital nomads in a way. And we have to, we have to incorporate that. And, and it's not that we are, in, we are in the same tribe, but this is not a tribe in a, in a fixed location. It's in, in, in the cloud in a way, in the digital cloud. And yes. so, and, and, and I, I don't know how history will judge us, you know, <laughs> but you know what we can do. I, I, I don't like this, this traditional self-marketing way. I, I rather think in terms of, yeah, let's, 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 let's um, be in that tribe and, 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 and create the world we want to live in, like actively while we're talking about this and, and then everybody can go back to their place and work and, and, and 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 bring the ideas which were created in these conversations into life, you know. And and then we have to see how how history will will judge us. So that's that's my approach. Yeah, I mean that, that's the, we're back to that same polarity. What starts out as genuine sharing of your story becomes self promoting marketing, and somewhere in the middle, where you're neither stopping sharing, you're you're not doing no marketing but you're not doing self-promoting marketing. Somewhere in the middle is this sweet spot, and every human being has got a different sweet spot, right? It's Where we are sharing, we're not afraid to share that we've got some cool stuff that we've been working on, but neither are we sort of scrambling for Instagram likes in this hope that it's going to be anything. No, exactly. So <laughs> I, I think that the influence that Joe Rogan has, for example, with his podcast, yeah. is just amazing. Like what, what this medium is... is, is right. Uh, making you can do amazing things with that but to get there you have to do marketing so it's like one of those it's one of those things which is you know there's no right answer to it it's just, you've got to right. find a balance for your own self which is the more i have an audience the more i can influence and, and change the world great right. same with money right the more money you have the more you can spend on podcasts or videos or this or books or whatever uh, programs for the poor homeless but to make lots of money you have to also make decisions which aren't always wholesome Right. So, so, so you, um, you mentioned that you do seminars with your wife and you yes. just, like yeah. switch, switched on seminars. Is that what you're doing? So we do, we have one company, we have one methodology, but we do two quite different ways in. And one is with organizations, um, which my wife and I do sometimes together, but mainly I do with other associates who are leadership people. Um, and then we also run a more, open access personal development program where we go a bit deeper into this stuff, um, which I do with my wife fully. And she's a, she's a healer, um, California healer, uh, trauma healer. So, um, yeah, and that's been its own journey, right. To do that together on stage, um, as two different people who are married, it's been quite exciting. Um, and actually we want to build that part of our work, um, because yeah, but what to, is it exactly about? Is it like, do you, uh, is that what you also describe in, 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 in spiritual atheists? Like the, the, the what do I describe? I can't, hmm? I remind me. What do I describe? No, like what you're, what you're doing in, in, in the seminars. What, what is it about? So basically it's a, the, well, we do different seminars, but the basic seminar, let's call, talk about it is a three day workshop. And we are blending, we, we take people through this J shaped curve 
to help, help, help them have a transformation of some suffering on the three days. But our bigger interest is teaching people how to then use that process, that, that falling into surrender and then rising with newness for themselves because we're not going to be there and you know there's no therapist going to be there necessarily um so that's kind of the, the first thing is you we, we give an experience but we're really teaching this the, the tools and the process and within that there are three moves i guess which this curve you know the down the across and the up and they i think they map most easily to the down is really like a therapy it's like healing the past the across is what you would call spirituality, which is listening to the universe, surrendering, uh, being open, um, being available. And then the up is what you would tell you you call coaching, which is how do you build something? How right. do you build new habits? How do you create new thoughts? How do you um, master your emotions, etc.? So we've blended all that into this process. And the seminar, the ones, the, the, the number one, the basic one, is like the first basic journey through that basic 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 um but still you know powerful and then we then uh, have built an advanced program which is about purpose and then you do the same thing but you're doing it on your career and purpose and then we will build i hope one day uh what seminars for for parenting for relationships so so, ba so basically you created like a meta model for growth which people yes. can apply in their day-to-day -day routine so they, exactly. they they learn how to do it and to to Yeah, in, in, in these absolutely, and that same meta model, yeah. mm -hmm. I teach organizations to do for innovation, and I teach systems uh, organizations, charities to do for systems. So it's the same meta model. Can, can you give an example? How do you do that? Um, so uh, the disruptive innovation journey. So if you think about those three moves, that the the healing, the, so the, the disruptive innovation journey is realizing that your current model, business model, product model, service model isn't working and and it's not available and letting go of it and looking where it's not working and looking where in the world other things are working what right. i call what patterns are breaking down in the world and what's breaking through then you go through a creative breakthrough process of surrendering your old thinking and embracing new disruptive ideas right build those ideas into business models designs ux experiences systems data apps whatever so that's that's the same meta model being used in innovation space And in the system space, it's exactly the same. You're just doing it across an entire ecosystem, which is what structures, like in the words you use, what psychological or systemic structures are breaking down that need to break down. So it could be, the, as you mentioned, it could be the nation state idea. It could be um, representative democracy. It could be this kind of tax in, in wave, but it's also psychological stuff. What ideas about homelessness are locking homelessness in place? And then we go through a process where collectively, And you have multiple organizations and multiple agents bringing their source, bringing their boons. Right. And then you have to piece it all together and then work out what's the net stories plan, what's the innovation plan to then manifest. But it's always the same meta model. And that's my, probably my boon is this meta model. That's the most important thing I've done in my life. Right. Uh, and um, it, it, and it, it, you know, it's, it is literally, if you remember the, the maps of meaning, the, the, the image, it's literally that, but it's just a softer, And now process-driven way of doing that. Right, right. I always like this, you know. Especially in the in the integral world, there's this notion of the evolutionary impulse. You know? Yes. So, and I'm always wondering, like, how, what, what is that? 
you know yeah. so it's like because it's like you feel it and then you 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 uh, you 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 uh, let yourself go with it or or you you surrender to it but there's no there's no method behind it and and that's so sad in a way because we we actually know how how evolution works on right. different levels you know on the biological level on on on, on the social sociological level and so on and you you just have to if you think in these terms you just have to apply this on 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 cognitive processes and, and yes. consciousness and so and if you do that or like like intersubjective processes and if you do that you come to that kind of uh, model meta model and 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 amazingly they're all quite similar well i think they're amazingly all quite similar because they are describing the fundamental blueprint of growth change creativity in the universe and as we know the universe is a creative universe because we're here yeah. um it is, and this is the this is the mystery at the heart of the mysteries. This is what this is my mysticalness in its absolute purity. Hmm. It's just the awe of this process that, as you say, fractally does species level in evolution. There's individual growth and journeying, um, and in fact, I'm working on another book which takes some of the ideas in spiritual atheist and and makes, turns them into a more coherent metaphysics. And one of the questions which you've just enunciated is. This impulse that you mention is it inside? So um, William James's contemporary talked about um, uh, Frederick Myers talks about subliminal uprushes of insight. <clears throat> you know, as artists say, it comes through me. It's not I didn't write the the song yesterday. It came through me. Or is it like a, a, a De Chardin Omega Point attractor that or an Entelarchy uh, Aristotelian idea of something pulling you? pulling the universe you know what creates the mutation in evolution we now we think it's background radiation but is it what creates the the breakthroughs that you see in evolution that Stuart Kaufman talks about and so this is the this is just we've reached the end the edge of my where I'm at in my thinking right how does this evolutionary thing this spiritual thing this innovation thing this personal growth thing how is this fractalness operating no no what yeah but exactly so i was i was exactly thinking um on kaufman because like this non-linear uh, emergent jumps you know you have like uh, exactly. uh, one cellular organisms and then they face a, they face a crisis because every niche is as um exactly inhabited. and so suddenly like this emergent quality of of uh, of multicellular organisms come about like exactly. in a very short of time and there's huge innovations you know, and new ways of life expressing exactly. itself. And so that is exactly what you're describing. Exactly right. But you don't have to rely on a, on a murky spiritual concept like evolutionary impulse because you, you know exactly what properties evolution has and you can apply that. And when you say you're like, you have to dive into chaos and you have to surrender yes. to innovation and then you can bring that to life. And that is like something that you can actually um, and consciously and voluntarily do Yes, and a lot of people need more understanding of what they're surrendering into. So that's where you do, I do believe, not everyone, like an artist goes, I don't care, I just, I'm doing my art. But if you're a conscious leader, if you're a leader, which is where I work, you know, you're trying to change the world. I do believe when you go down into that descent and you are releasing old business model ideas, assumptions about human nature, uh, dot 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 power structures that surrender journey is so painful for people 
that even if you don't ever mention spirituality or whatever, me as a facilitator, I have to create a safe space, which for me comes from my love for people and humanity. So I'm doing spirituality in the room. They just don't know it, you know, right. in a big company. So you do need somewhere, something that's called spirituality. You don't necessarily need any, any but and me as a teacher facilitator, I do need to have some understanding of whether it's, what is it? What is, when you surrender into emptiness, void, why does form come up? Obviously, I can just, I can, I'd be totally happy with the fact that it just does. That is the nature of the universe we're in. Newness comes out of surrender. End of story. But it's still good to at least push yourself to that point and go, that's just the way it is. Right. You know, that newness. And if, if you think about it, and this is where I get really to the edge of my, <laughs> my rational mode, and I, it almost goes back to the time when I was felt the nihilistic void of postmodernity is when you get down to sort of like the building block levels of the universe, you realize it couldn't really be any other way. You, you need old to, to die. And when you, this is like, now we're getting into like Schumpeter, you need old to die. You need creative destruction. You need old to die. And that's why all the wisdom traditions have a, a god of chaos, death, destruction, Kali. Because without the old dying, you, you don't get the new. And the bit that I've learned, if I have one thing to teach people, it is you don't get the new until you are willing to let go of the old. Right. You don't get the other way around. Everyone wants it the other way around. I want the new, and then I'll have, get rid of my boyfriend, girlfriend, job, psychological structure. <laughs> it's like, no. Yeah, that's, that's the problem of a lot of Zangas and spiritual communities that they actually, that the social systems are set up in a way that they shield the people against these kinds of experience. And so exactly. suddenly, and suddenly everything is about happiness and Yes. Veganism and so, but it's not about this deep uh, confrontation. Of, of Exactly. And I guess I'd, I'd love what you just answered something for me in my own thinking, because I want to live in a loving, co-living community of safety and love and connection. But I think I've just realized, as you said that, because I then want to go to the edge of chaos, feeling like I've got a team at my back so I can not get gnarly with climate change and pollution and whatever. Right. Um, because and this is something I, I say to my uh, leader, leadership clients in organizations, the rule of evolutionary law, which is adapt or die, has always been there. But these old power structures we call organization or institution have protected people artificially from right. evolutionary pressure because they have the power of means of production, means of distribution. I was a duke. I'm a lord. I'm a whatever. I'm a CEO. And now the joyous thing about the world today is partly through the internet, partly through climate change, when that, all those walls have been ripped apart and now everyone is facing the same evolutionary pressure that this bee out here I'm watching is facing, which is step up, transform, adapt, create, or it's game over. Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's the beautiful thing about the truck crisis we're in is that we are all being asked to step up and go, I've got to get match fit. I don't like the idea of fit, fittest as in, I'm fit, you're not fit. So I use the word fitted to mean I'm fitting with the world. Right. Um, but we still, there is some sense of fitness in there. Now, I've got to be ready for the crazy next 30 years. We're going to be, you know, a yeah. lot. And that's, a, and that's an eternal truth. You know, that's, that's where, where, where it's not self-surfing marketing. You know, it's not, it's like this, this is an eternal process and, 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 and a, true, a, a, a truism. So, and it's and, a truism. And, and, but, then, but then you get back to where I got to. I, with the, it's a truism that is not deconstructible by postmodern theory. Right. It's a capital T truth. 
Well, they try it, but uh, they fail. <laughs> they try. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, evolution and the the nature of creativity is undeconstructible because it's it's lived. It's the lived experience of being. Right. Mm. Mm, like it. Wonderful, Nick. I think um, it's nearly it's nearly twelve on your side. I, um, so I think yeah. we we that we got somewhere exciting. Huh? I felt I felt the evolutionary impulse in me in the last fifteen twenty minutes, kind of tingling. I'm tingling right now. I, I, some more of that those those loops of meaning have have completed nice. uh, in this conversation in this di true dialogue. You know, I, I really, you know that's that's why I like these these long form yeah. conversations because you need like an hour or so to get into a rhythm and and. I just, so I'm about to start developing literally this afternoon, just found a producer to develop a podcast, uh, uh, which I'd love to have you on when we've had some space from each other. Um, and it's about connecting so personal change with social change. So it's very right. clearly in that. But my thinking, having been interviewed on many podcasts, is that the first hour, you sort of recapitulate your thinking for the audience and you explain your book and you, whatever. And if you just finish it then it's always a little disappointing, sort of like unfulfilling. Yeah. And you just, you just put into words what I've been moving towards, which is the second hour is where you then have, you've almost let go of all the content and then you can actually dialogue and then you're in co-creation mode. Exactly. And it, but, it, but, but it's interesting because one of the things I'm going to make clear on my podcast is I will read whatever it is you want me to read of my, you know, or video and I will send you something of mine Because without you having read a bit of my stuff and me reading a bit of your stuff, it would have been much harder to get to that flow, right. flow area because I've sort of read your latest stuff, right? I mean, I'm getting a bit of your thing and you're getting a bit of my, and then we can bring that thing. Exactly. Um, and that's the thing that's exciting. It's super exciting to be in an emergent podcast. Um, Completely, yes. Like, tell me about your book. What's your message? What are the top three tips for being happy? You know, just the usual podcast. Mm type of interview right um and that's why i think the joe rogan thing is fascinating because you know these are three hour divergent dialogue yes mm. yeah. <laughs> and the world people listen that's what amazes yeah, yeah yeah that's that's the that's the most astonishing thing like three hours because <laughs> we're always saying about short form short form two yeah, minutes yeah, yeah. can you make your video two minutes can you make it one minute now because no one watches two minute videos anymore right yeah and um and then this <laughs> other long form growth Uh, which I love, medium again, long form, long yeah, form. Yeah, it's, it's a dance. You know, you have to learn uh, um, about how how the other person moves and behaves and like his exactly. rhythm. And you have to you have to f find a you know a, a common ground and, and a flow. And so But also some edges. You want to find yeah. edges as well as commonality. Yes, you find the connection, and then you have to find edges so that we can work out how to open. You know, the adjacent possible of um, of Kaufman. The, the, the what? Well, Stuart Kaufman calls the adjacent possible. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. It's everything around where you are, which you can actually move into. Yeah. You can't go over there. Yeah, and and you, so, can, you can pinpoint that in a, in a, in a podcast. Like, exactly. the, the, there's, there's always, an, I always strive to that moment where, where my personal bubble bursts. Yes. And there's some, some um, emergent quality, some, yeah. something new, which is, which is, uh, for lack of a better word, like the, the result of a we space. You know, it's like that. And that's the collective uh, flow, the collective 
what did you call it? Evolutionary impulse. That's the collective impulse. When right. you can get people together, let go of their patterning and their ego space enough, you get this amazing Exactly. And then you have to come back and do something with it, right? And you have to turn it into something. Sure. <laughs> um, and that is, that's the fun. That's what we do in, in workshops with companies. You try and get people to that space. Right. Who haven't done any of this work. And that's right. a, a challenge. Amazing. <laughs> yes, I wouldn't do what, I wouldn't give up what I do. I, you know, sometimes I think, you know, should I just double down on the wisdom and the teaching and the, the, the truth, you know, the non-dual stuff? Because the world is so much suffering. And I think, yeah, but there aren't that many people who can bring it into these political and economic and institutional spaces. And it's a journey for me to really hold the two together, you know, do the work with my wife where I can go deep and say all this stuff with you. This right. is really my big, I would never speak like this on a leadership podcast. Right. Because I just hold, I just don't want to scare people. If they ask me over dinner, fine. But I won't go this full open kimono, as the Americans say, which I love. I won't go so open kimono because for a lot of people, it's very scary to hear about these words. Some of these words, they're like, whoop, whoop. Right. It's mm. crazy. It's a, he's a guru. He's a spiritual nutter. It's, it's a podcast that's coming up now or you're working I haven't done any of it yet. I'm, I'm just been trying to find a producer. Um, I've been given a radio slot in a digital radio, American digital radio you know, kind of new age thing. It's got a lot of listeners. So I can, I hopefully can um, accelerate growth quicker by right. to them. Um, so I'll look, I'll give them a 53 minute radio package. Right. And then, but we'll carry on recording for another hour and release that as the podcast. Right. Okay. This is the theory mm. to be discussed. Um, and um, I'm just going to work out the name and all the, ironically, the two names I've got, have both been registered as podcasts in the last 12 months. Oh, so two, which one is that? Uh, talking Transformation or Transformation Talk, both been used. So I've got, a, I've got some other ideas. Uh, I might just end up just with the Switch On show with Nick Jankel, just to keep it. Right, okay. One brand. E easier to build one brand than, than six, uh, which doesn't stop me trying to build six, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the, I used to be a brand consultant, and I, I'm like the worst brand consultant for my own Everybody is. Mm. Exactly. That's where you pay someone. <laughs> <laughs> are, you, are you ever from Mallorca in England? Are you in Germany? Are you going to go to the um, stuff uh, that Thomas Bjorkman does? Are you, where, what's, where are you next, where we might have some physical? Well, um, physical, I, I don't know, because, um, I mean, I'm, I'm connected to the integral community here in Germany, so I will go to the conference, which is now in, in two weeks. Oh, okay. I didn't know there was one. Okay. It's so, okay. And, and I don't know yeah. if, if you go to, to the European integral conferences, okay. for example, that's mostly in Budapest. Okay. And, nice. and um, so I think the Metamodern Festival is just right now. Yes. The, so, one, the one in Kiev. Yes, exactly. Oh, great. So I'm thinking of going to Kiev. No, 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 no. No, but it's, oh. it's right now. I, I think I... Oh, I is it? it. Hmm? Oh, I thought it was in September. Oh, oh is it in September? No, maybe, well, I got, it, whatever, maybe I got that wrong. Mm -hmm. The thing that was in Berlin last year, um, which I think is going to be in Kiev this year to, to coincide with, um, not Emil, the other one. Uh, uh, Daniel. Daniel. Mm -hmm. Daniel's doing this thing with uh, Glimworks and uh, the Kiev thing. I think they're trying to bring it all together at the same time, I think. So if you're there, that would be a great uh, opening space to, to, to connect. 
Sure. And when I'm ready for this podcast, if you'd be interested, um, sure. always, uh, this would be a very interesting co- topic around social and political, and we can get into that whole thing about this guy, uh, Bunzel, you said? Simple? John Bunzel, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Nation states and, and all that kind of stuff. Have He's you got a- anything that I can read that you've written in that sort of the political issues? No, I, I haven't written anything political okay. quite, but, but you know, that book, uh, The Simple Solution, that's actually, like he lives, he's a Londoner. Okay. So, so and, and he... I should connect with him. Yeah, yeah, it's like, a, and buy the book, it's, it's an amazing book, it's good. Okay, we will do. All right, mate, I've got to go. Right. Uh, it's been a Thank-, pleasure. Thank you for hosting. Sure. Thank uh, you for participating. Keeping the flow. <laughs>